Hi all, and welcome to the Grieving Back to Life podcast. This is a place where we will talk and share stories around grieving, receiving, growth, and turning your pain into peace. I am your host, Lauren Cheek, and like many of you, I have experienced my fair share of loss and grieving. It's been hard to process and transition, but what I've learned through this is that a lot of us have this unprocessed pain inside, but don't feel like we can talk about it or maybe don't know how to process it. My goal here is to help hold space for people and normalize these conversations around grief. I'll be sharing tools, resources, and insights from all kinds of different experts, as well as everyday amazing humans who have gone through the battle of grief and have been able to turn their pain into peace and purpose. So let's dive in and help each other through the process of grieving back to life. Okay, amazing. We are back to have Jen with us today. Jen and I have known each other for quite a while, um, but have never really gotten to talk about the personal side of things of life. We've worked a lot of business events together, known each other for a while, but excited to dive in today. We've had kind of a brief conversation about this, but I think you have such a beautiful perspective on grieving and just your process of really releasing, and I'm excited to dive in today. Oh, thank you for having me. I love this concept. I'm just so excited to have a conversation about something that I feel is really near and dear to my heart. I think that being able to just share, you know, your experience of how you've gone through the process of grieving and losing someone and now coming to the other side of what you've learned and pulling the lessons out is such a sometimes hard practice, but I think I've seen you do it in such beautiful ways of sharing through social media and being able to help others. And so I'd love to dive into kind of just your experience and your story of grief. Wow. You know, my grief journey, my real journey into grief started about 10 years ago when, you know, one of my closest best friends passed away suddenly in his thirties, his very early thirties. Wow. And I had lost people before, like anyone else. I had lost grandparents and, you know, elders and things like that. But And I had lost one friend when I was a teenager who actually got murdered at like 13, right before I went into high school. So let me digress. That was the first. Wow. Forget about that. Um, But I don't think anything really prepares you when you lose younger people. I think as you lose your elders, you figure, well, that's the cycle of life, Mm -hmm. nature, that's God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. But when I lost someone young, I just was so shocked. I felt like my whole world didn't make sense anymore. Like nothing made sense anymore. I couldn't understand how or why that happened. I never thought that would happen. So you never, you know, you say, you don't say the things you wish you would have said. You're, you're left with so many unfinished sentences. And I think that was something really hard for me early on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. And like you said, experiencing it at such a young age and so suddenly and so unexpected, I think those are sometimes the hardest experiences to go through. And so how did you how did you cope with that, hearing about that and going through that experience? Ooh. The first one when I was thirteen, I found out in the grocery store. And (laughs) that was tricky. I did A lot of times when I found out someone close to me passed, I would find out in public places, which was always the worst. I'm like, can we not? Oh, yeah. This is really too much. And what was interesting about that is, you know, my mother at the time who I lived with, um, he was a person of a different race. He was African-American. And she really, like, had a problem with that. And that just shows, you know, some certain things going on in the background. But I wasn't allowed to grieve that. Hmm literally wasn't allowed, like threatened and told that I wasn't allowed. So I say that to say that's never popped into my awareness until now. And it must be for a reason because I always, I always assume that. Um, but that would lay the framework for how I would grieve is what wow. I learned. And where yeah, I was chills. and stuff it down and there wasn't really room for it. So I don't know if that set the stage when Mike died. I was, I had just turned 30 and we had been best friends for like 15 years. We had a pact that we were going to get married. If I if we didn't have other people that we were married to by 30, it was a sign that we were supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. And then he passed away 10 days after my 30th birthday. And that wow. was shocking. And that, I think, changed my whole entire trajectory of life. 
Yeah, I bet. I mean, going from like thinking you, you know, best friends with someone, thinking you're going to have a future with them to all of a sudden they're gone. It's such a blindside moment. Mm -hmm. And so how did you really, what was something that you really used as a tool to kind of go through that process the second time around, since you were able to kind of have more space and be able to, to really process it in your own way? Well, the interesting thing about that is that I just learned from myself telling you the first story, truly, I went through that terribly because I didn't Mm -hmm. have the skill set ready. I had been through it once before, that's fine, but there was so much suppression and so much denial and so much, there was just no space created to feel those big emotions or sit with them and understand how they feel like. Um, So when Mike died, I was literally unprepared. And I used alcohol to cope a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not helpful <laughs> at all because anything that I would suppress would come out when I was drinking. And then it was like these demons right. were out. And I was like, oh my God, get back in there. What are you doing? And I didn't like my behaviors. I didn't like the way I felt the next day. So eventually I gave that up like seven years ago. And I was like, oh, that was so good for me. I didn't have the skills. So it was a really challenging, like, gosh, seven or eight years just of ups and downs. And I almost think that that opened Pandora's box of like a lot of my trauma that I never had dealt with. And then it was all there in my face. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do with this? And so then I became, um, I started working early on. It was probably six months to a year in with a life coach, which Mm -hmm. is like my form of therapy. And that's just what felt good to me. I had gone to therapist when I was really young because I had, you know, a lot of different traumatic things happen in my childhood. And I just didn't feel the connection to that modality at the time for mm-hmm. me. And so coaching, I had met this woman at an event and I was just like, wow, she looks, she just feels like an angel. She just has this like aura around her. And then it led me down this path to personal development and through being coached, eventually becoming a coach years later, like seven, seven years later. Um, but that was kind of my wobbly path forward was destructive behavior. And luckily it was really just like self-harm through alcohol. I think personally, yeah, overworking. That was another one of my coping skills, which was not Mm -hmm. helpful. It was helpful Mm -hmm. in a certain way. But not right. it got you through it. But looking yeah. back, you're like, maybe that wasn't the, the best way to process this. No, because I think, Lauren, by doing that, like the combination of all of that is kind of manifested certain disease in my body. Like I have these tumors and different things that come up. And the more I study personal development and the body and holistic healing, it's like those issues do stay in your tissues. They're in your body and they have to be released. So now... When you talk about this version that I am now, it's mm, like 13 years in the making. Wow. So maybe that could serve as a reminder to somebody today that the journey is long. Absolutely. Yeah. And that it's not this linear path. And thank you so much for sharing your, like, just being so vulnerable because I think that so many people can relate to not knowing how to handle it, not knowing how to cope and deal with it. And I think it's almost natural in a way, especially in our society today, to just add more onto your plate, right? Stay busy, um, start hustling more, get busy with work. And then when you do have the time where you're alone and you could process it, just numb out, right? And that's like almost the old hardwiring, right? Of these previous generations before us that suppress all these emotions and issues and things that we really need to process. And I think it's beautiful that you said that you are now able to step back years later and really acknowledge that, okay, that definitely wasn't the right way to release it and process it. And holding that trauma was really like storing it in my body. And yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I think we almost don't even have the conscious awareness around that it's like this, we're creating our own disease, right? Dis-ease within our body by holding on to this trauma and not holding the space for ourselves to be able to really process it in a healthy way. And, you know, sometimes that's feeling the feels and going right through it. And, and I think that was one of my biggest takeaways is that last statement that you made. I had to feel everything. And mm-hmm. what I think 
can be so intimidating about grief to people. And I know this has been true for myself as well. And a lot of my clients is like, they're scared to open that box. And rightfully so, if you've never yeah. opened it, sometimes it's very crowded. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh my it's, God. it's hard. It's all the like uneasy feelings that we really don't want to feel, right? It's like anger, sadness, um, you know, all, yeah, all of the things kind of buried in that one box. But until we unpack it, it just kind of sits there and it's like this ticking time bomb that you never really know what's going to trigger you and set you off. And I think that the more we hold on to our traumas and our pain, that the more it holds on to us, right? The more it controls us. And being able to even just have the awareness of even just having conversations like these and sharing it. Because like you said, with your first experience of going through grief, that you didn't even really realize that you didn't really process it at the time because you didn't even have the space or you weren't even allowed to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people go through that from their peers or family or whoever is not holding that space for them, you know, either consciously or subconsciously. Or if they just are doing it to themselves where they just are trying to function through it, but not like giving yourself the space to really heal. I think that's so common, which is such a eye-opening experience. I think once you've gone through grief to kind of see both sides of it, right? To see the people that have like held on to the pain that don't deal with it and how it manifested into other things later in life versus the people that were you know, really struggling and feeling the feels and going through it, but they went through it and made it to the other side. Oh, definitely. I, I had this, um, I travel a lot and speak to groups about different things, business and life and healing. And I remember years ago, I got on this kick. I'd heard, I heard a quote about how buffaloes manage storms, unlike mm -hmm. cows that try to run away from them and exhaust themselves. Buffaloes are like, whatever, I'm going to go straight through it. I'm going to go through it fast so I'm not exhausted on the other side. And that's what worked yes. for them. And that's how they survived. I've um, heard that story. It's a great story too. Yeah. It's like the cows that run away from it are just actually going into the storm and the buffaloes go directly in it and through it to get to the other side faster. Yeah. It had become beautiful like metaphor. group mantra. And then at the time, I think Target was like releasing buffalo pictures and you know how all that goes. <laughs> And it was so awesome. Everybody kind of rode that wave. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really cool metaphor to think about how we have been taught to navigate certain challenges in life. I mean, think about it. How much time do you get off of work if somebody passes away if you don't work for yourself? Three days? Yeah. And then just yeah, bounce right it's that. Sometimes people just dive right back into it. It's, and the it's hard thing is too, is it's like, it's so, uh, it's such waves, right? It comes in such waves. And you never know when it's going to get you, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. The absolute coolest story happened to me this weekend, and it's intertwined with this. My third big chapter with grief has been the loss of my dog last year. And we went through like mm -hmm. a year and a half cancer journey. And the way I got him was just magical. And our experiences together were just really, like, really wise. He was like a grand teacher for me, and I knew it. In so mm -hmm. many ways. And I wasn't prepared for that, but I will say I went through it differently than the previous two because this one I was so conscious to like, I just want to be present for this. Yes, I know the outcome. I know what's ahead, but I don't want to rush to get there. I want to get there as late as possible. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, fully and completely in love with the process and you know, the little soul that I was tied to. And it has made it such a more peaceful experience for me. There's no resistance. You're, you're just like, okay, I accept that this is a part of life. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. why they live forever. And when I get to heaven, I'm asking God first question, why dogs? Why? Yeah. Why? You have to use them like, no, that. they're baby angels. Oh my God. They're so wonderful. But you know, maybe this can offer a piece of encouragement is like, the best gift I gave to myself the third time's charm was to be present for it. I altered my life in a way, you know, and I had earned that. That was like my payoff for 13 years of running my company is like, you know what? I'm cashing in my PTO. I was still working, but I was working remote, you know, to give us the best environment for surgeries and cancer treatments and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And then at the end of the day, when things, you know, progress naturally as things do, I feel really amazing about it. And I can't <laughs> imagine saying that I never want to lose him. It makes me sad to this day. Um, but I will tell you, I post a lot about this and, oh my God, this weekend it was coming in hot. I watched, uh, a longtime client of mine's dog. They were going out of town and they had moved to the suburbs and normally use a neighbor. And she's like, Oh my God, would you consider doing it? I'm like, consider girl, I'm hiring myself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we were so excited because, you know, dogs have a certain way that they need to cope too. And I did a lot of research on that and it's been wild to witness their experience and just be open to all of it. This Mm -hmm. dog was the epitome of the spirit of my dog Ziggy that had passed. And he mm-hmm. had told me through an animal communication session six months before that he was going to come back. It wasn't right now. It wasn't the right time. And at that time I wasn't ready for it. My heart was still so bruised and like battered. I was not ready for it. But this time, everything that reminded me of him, I had tears in my eyes and I'm bawling, but there was no sadness. Mm, I was just yeah. so excited. I was so thankful. I said, thank you for coming back to see me. And, you know, everybody has different ways that they connect to spirit. And this for me is, you know, a, a channel that feels right. But I was like, oh God, all weekend, I just got to experience the essence and the spirit of him. And it was so amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it sounds like really the common thread through that was that you were really able to surrender And that was what kind of helped you get to that point of peace, it sounds like. And the fact that you were able to have the awareness and have the understanding um, of previously already going through it, but knowing kind of how to cope and deal with it and get to the other side. And I think seeing the signs. So I want to touch on that a little bit because I know for me personally, I have a lot of signs and animals definitely is a big one that I see um, messages come through, you know, I'll see hummingbirds for me as, um, one of my spirit animals that whenever I see them, I, I kind of get this sense of peace. And so, um, what are your thoughts on that for our, our loved ones that have crossed over giving us signs, um, and being able to be aware and open to seeing them? I love that you asked me that question because it's my favorite topic. And I have to preface My dad is a preacher, Southern Baptist. So they think I was raised to think totally different about spirit guides and things like that. I was raised Mm -hmm. to a God and that was it. So I find this whole new season for myself and it's been a, like a 10 year season to be really fascinating. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. so counterintuitive to what I know. And it just shows the um, ability for us to transcend beliefs that are passed down to us and choose our own. So I will say that, Mm -hmm. but to your question about spirit animals now, because I feel like they visit so frequently in a lot of forms, I have a log on my phone. I, I love that phone because sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, what are you trying to get point across? Because it's so heavy between spirit animals and synchronicities and numbers. I'm just like, Whoa, I believe that there's a communication happening and I just have to kind of decode it. Mm-hmm. The other day I went on a walk and like, Two seconds into my walk, boom, a ladybug comes on my shoulder, which is my grandma that passed, which I find so fascinating because I have a different relationship with her now since her passing. It's better than I would have had in life, which is so crazy. And not because there was any like issue, just because like generationally things were different and how people related is different. And, you know, so sometimes we have like walls with people and not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. They're just there. Yeah, sometimes not even consciously. At all. I think almost never. And then when she passed over to the spirit world, it was fast. I'm like, girl, are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) I thought it's so cool. I've become tickled by it because I'm like, well, this is crazy. I mean, I was able to say goodbye to her because she had a full life. She did all of the things. She did all the things that she wanted. And so it didn't feel like there was you know, a sadness of loss of more just an understanding of the natural cycle of life. And um, now she comes back all the time. Ziggy comes back. He comes back in stints, which is really cool. And it's almost always when you need it. And I also think Mm -hmm. if you think about that, oh, people are skeptical, right? Well, how could that happen? Well, how could it not? If you think of we're all connected through energy 
and energy that passes on from this world literally just goes into the spirit world, which is what I believe. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a connection of, you know, through thought and energy. So if you're thinking about them, they're thinking about you. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I believe that too. I, I really think that you should lean into whatever makes you feel good in your beliefs. And I love that you touched on that you were raised, um, you know, with a whole different set of beliefs. And so how how do you say as you've grown up and matured and developed your own beliefs that you've really kind of gone through that process of kind of learning new ways to cope and really aligns with you? Mm -hmm. You know what I think has been the best shift for me in making that connection is being in tune with my body. What does that mean when mm. I'm in my body? Alcohol would take me away from my body. Mm-hmm. Now, marijuana is a different, I have a different relationship with that. And that's something that really opens me up. It really works for me, but I use it as a tool, not as a crutch. So it's not something I'm going to be just sitting here doing all day until I go, you know, where I can't think. It's actually mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. Where I'll talk a little and my body can, my nervous system can relax because I think it all comes back to that for me is I've had to do 20 years of work rewiring, resetting my nervous system. I was homeless for years. That affects you. And that's its own form of grief of never having, you know, a stable place to be. There's Mm -hmm. so many layers that I believe once we lose someone, that's almost just like a, it's a giant bang to the gong. You know, it's like, here's an, here's another like point for you to, um, to learn something new and absolutely. always take it as like this law, uh, like as a loss or as like a, a negative thing when really it was just like a signaling of seasons changing, which can be scary. Yeah. And difficult for sure. But I think you're so right that like, we're meant to kind of learn these lessons through it. And I think also I liked what you said of there. Sometimes we have to grieve these certain points in our life mm-hmm. of these certain you know, traumas that we experience while we're still living. And it doesn't even necessarily mean grieving someone we've lost. It's grieving an experience we've gone through. And so how would you say that you've been able to kind of work through that? Because I think that's a whole thing that people, you know, go through all the time, but whether it's conscious or subconscious, a lot of people don't know how to kind of process that. And I will say that that's where I was going with my last, um, my last thought, that's what I meant to touch on. When I took away alcohol so that I could connect to my body, then then there was a bit more of a connection, right? Mm-hmm. When I made sure that I took away I took away meat, dairy, everything clean, because I had these tumors after a while. And that gave me such like a more grounded feeling that I had never had. Then I started mm-hmm. incorporating cold plunging, then I started incorporating um, hyperbaric chambers and float tanks, all kinds of different tools. And for me, I need a different tool at a different time. Not everything works at at one time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Being able to know which tool to grab out of your toolkit for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing what's a tool and what's a crutch, like you said, of, you know, alcohol is a depressant. And so the more you drink of it, the harder it's going to be to kind of get into a positive mindset, but using something that could be a tool in whatever way, you know, whether it's a substance that you do in a healthy way or it's a tool like journaling or meditating or whatever works for you. I think it's being able to have the awareness of what works for you and when you're needing what. And so how have you kind of navigated that? Yeah, I've just learned through trial and error what's worked and what's not. You know, I've done a lot of classes and workshops and every Mm -hmm. meditations and sound healings. And I'm just really curious about it all. So it's fun for me to try it. And then I came to this place where I would just, I wanted everything to go slower, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was one thing at a time of like, okay, what feels good right now? And that's the question I always ask myself, what feels good in my body right now? And I'll know Mm -hmm. if a situation or a person or something doesn't feel right. I almost have like, I get a little baby bit of the shakes inside. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of my red flag where I'm like, Ooh, doesn't mean this person or this situation is bad. It just means I need to stop and check and look around and say, how am I feeling about this? And why am I feeling about this? And then I can decide how I want to navigate it forward. And yeah, I never, your intuition checking in. 
Yeah, I never fully had those checks before because I was kind of numbing with alcohol mm-hmm. and overworking. I mean, when I say overworking, it was like the first seven years of my business, I slept four hours a night. I didn't, there was so much that I didn't know. So I was always constantly working, learning, doing. There was like hardly any sleep. Um, and you just burn yourself out that way. And I know for sure that that was a way for me to avoid looking at these hard things that I did not want to look at. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing because I think that that is such a commonality with so many people. And I think, you know, even if it's not grief, I think trying to kind of almost bury our problems and staying busy and our culture today has this mentality of hustle mentality, like grind. And I, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur myself. Like we've both built businesses and understand the process that yes, of course it's a lot of work, but if you don't keep somewhat of a balance and I don't believe in a, in an equal balance, I don't think that's possible. I call it a harmony. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't have some sort of harmony running within your life of to where you're filling up those other buckets, right? You have, you're making deposits into those buckets actively. It's not just the career bucket every single day, all day. And then your personal life, your love life, your family is all depleted because that's definitely how you hit burnout. And then you just look back and you have to kind of dig yourself out of a hole almost. It's so true. And you know, COVID did that for me because we couldn't go to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I own a salon. So it's like, we're, we can't really work from home at that. You know, we pivoted and did all the things that it does, but you know, that was a big shift for me. And there was grief of my old life, you know, the whole way that everything was set up personally and business was like completely gone almost overnight. And it yeah. was, it was bad. And then it was awesome. And, but there was a grief process there of like, wow, I totally thought I was going in this direction and now I'm going to build a van and travel the country and make money. How? (laughs) Which was so cool to watch you do, by the way, I was like following your story and it was just so inspiring to see you really just like take control of your life and just be like, I'm going to go out and live my dream and like create this whole experience for myself. And so what really was the like catalyst to you getting on the road and doing that? Oh my gosh. It was that I thought we weren't opening up again. <laughs> I fully believe. Like, I'm hopping in a van. I'm out of here. <laughs> I am a quick, that's one thing about me is like, I'm a quick decision maker and it really helps me in my business world because I adapt and make decisions quickly where I'm like, I can see the long term and then I work backwards. And that's always been a strength of mine. Mm-hmm. I have many weaknesses, but let's, I'm going to celebrate that strength. And I wasn't wrong. And I was like, this is awesome. I saw that a we're closed for three months and then that's one shift. And B when we reopen, it's like a year and something of capacity restrictions and, you know, different ways where we were limited to one way of, kind of make money and we branched out and did other things, but I just could see the writing on the wall. And so I made a decision and then, you know, three years later, the van now is a revenue source. So that's kind of awesome and cool. And I'd always thought that that could be the way too. I always knew that that experience was a vessel for me to be of service to others and to receive service from others. So it was like what you're talking about, that harmonious experience of like being in a campground Park next to these two retired strangers who are the cutest ever sharing moments of life and stories and experiences that I would have never gotten to have being city gen, you know, yeah. and it wasn't her anymore. She's awesome. But I also had this other, you know, part of me that wanted to be explored and I felt like the universe was giving me the gift to do it. So I wasn't going to turn that into a negative. I was like, well, fine, I'll just go travel in the country then have a great time. That's beautiful. I love that. And I think, yeah, like, like you said, like writing your intuition of like, what is really calling you and being able to have that vision of like, okay, I know that this is gonna all work out. And if I can reverse engineer it from there, then I can kind of take the steps towards that goal. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think being able to really give yourself the permission to step out of your comfort zone is what I'm hearing a lot too of that. Like really you took that leap of faith and I love that you're a quick decision maker and leaned into that. And we totally were on that same boat and get it. And I think everyone had to really jump quickly 
but being able to jump into a space that's that unknown, that's like pushing you out of your comfort zone. Um, what was one thing that you really can identify now looking back that you're like, wow, I learned so much about myself doing this. Um, that really kind of is like a highlight moment for you, or maybe like a time that or an experience that you went through doing that. Oh my gosh. I mean, that project was one giant trust fall. I don't know if you experienced this, but do you feel like after a certain, you know, amount of loss or a loss experience, I feel more fearless. I do. I think when you address it, right. I think when you, cause I've gone through it both ways where I've kind of, I've gone, I've lost people I love and I've kind of, I don't want to say ignored it, but kind of stuffed it and didn't process it in a healthy way and just kind of sat in denial with it. And then I've also now losing my partner gone through it head on, um, mostly because I had no other choice, but I take that back. I did have a choice. Um, I just had more awareness. And so I knew that the only way through it was through it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's like being able to identify those moments, right. Of being able to kind of stand back up and brush yourself off. Mm -hmm. And having just like delusional belief in yourself. Yeah. I got questioned every step of the way I lost friends over that because what I was doing and bless them. And I don't, they don't mean any harm by it. It's all of our automatic programming. Right. Right. Like what I was doing scared them so much at a time that was already scary. It was almost like they couldn't take it. I'm like, I understand. I don't, I can't say explain it either. I can't say it makes me the most comfortable, but I know that I'm supposed to do it. And I feel like that is because I have a strong relationship to spirit. I have a strong relationship to feel like I'm being guided. And I trust that because I've seen it play out so many times in my life. Um, Yeah. It's like building that trust with yourself, I think. And the more you do that, the more you can go through it with a sense of peace, I think, mm -hmm. and being able to not eliminate the fear and, you know, be totally fearless. But like you said, be more brave and being able to have it feel a little bit more familiar saying like, okay, no, I got this. Like I have the confidence to step through it, even though it's scary and out of my comfort zone and something totally new and different that I know and I trust that this is like the lesson it's going to provide the lessons and the experiences that I need. That's, that's how I feel in a nutshell, honest. I love it. I think that that's like the awareness that everyone needs kind of stepping through life and being able to have these check-in moments. I always tell um, our community at Forward Female, there's power in the pause. And it's kind of become like a mantra throughout the community that it's a good little check-in reminder, right? Power of the pause is really being able to stop and slow down and check in with yourself and take your own power back by separating all of that emotion, right? A lot of the time we let emotion stack and, you know, it can start with like the base root of fear, but then it stacks onto like anxiety and stress and then like maybe anger and like all these other things that can pile on, right? And then we get to the point where it's so high, we don't even remember what the root problem was. (laughs) We just try and like power through it and hold on to these stacks of emotions, and I think when we're able to stop and unpack each one and dissipate the feeling of saying, okay, this is the situation, but really like, it's just me being afraid. It takes away the power of the emotion, I think a little bit. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. I think there's so many like great things that we've been able to kind of touch on through this and I totally feel the synergy with you of the ways that you've kind of worked through it and some of your tools. But what is one thing you would say now looking back that you would recommend to somebody if they were going through something like you've experienced looking back at at young Jen, what would you tell her to kind of help her through it? Mm, I would say to take your time. Yeah. But there's no rush and to really remember that you know what's best for you. And when we start farming for opinion to validate what we naturally feel, then we lose trust in ourselves. you know? And I've been down that road and back a million times. And now, because I've practiced it so much, trusting and believing in myself, you know, I'm born with myself and I leave with myself. That's for sure what I know is happening. 
Um, yeah. I can feel more confident and grounded and calm in what I'm doing. And life just, it feels much better. Take your yeah. time. That's Don't beautiful. Rush. There's no, you know, expiration period for your grief. It's going to be a forever thing, but you can mm-hmm. carry it along with you differently, you know, as you yeah. are. So. Absolutely. I heard something the other day that you never lose the weight of grief. You just learn how to carry it better. And I think that that's so true that like you're always going to be grieving that person that you lost because they're no longer with you, but you can turn it into a beautiful moment to where you're carrying them forward with you and you're, you're bringing their memory forward with you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. It, one, one thing I would love to say before we close out, whenever that is, is yeah. I remember feeling so strongly when Mike passed, like immediately he would send me songs, specifically songs. We used to go dancing all the time and just have fun songs specifically. And like, I would just see things everywhere that felt mm-hmm. like it was there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that hasn't always been everyone's experience close to me when they lose somebody. I think the key for that, that I was able to tune into it is because I was able to surrender to it. I wasn't fighting what was. Yeah. And, and that was hard. I mean, I did it first, but it was like, as soon as I let that go, then we could make our connection again. And then that gave me so much like encouragement and hope and, um, you know, excitement to try to connect again, that that mm-hmm. was a big thing, but I had to surrender and stop fighting and move myself out of that rage anger phase that I was in, that this happened and say, everything happens for a reason. I remember talking to, um, a spiritual communicator and she said, well, souls, you know, choose their exit. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she said, they choose their exit point. You know, she said he knew that he was not going to make it past a certain, you know, age, you know, that as a soul. And I'm like, are you serious? I'd never heard that concept before. Oh yeah. In that moment, it brought me peace. I said, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It just, sorry to almost cut you off. It just reminded me of this book that I read called Soul Contracts and it's by Caroline Mace. Mm. And just anybody listening, like just check out at least the first chapter and keep an open mind because it is a little out there, but it's very, the more you lean into it, the more you almost start to understand life more. And she really talks about how we all have these soul contracts and as souls that we almost make these agreements before we reincarnate into this body that these are the lessons that we need to learn and these are the experiences we need to go through as well as the experiences and lessons that we need to help others go through. And so if you're, you know, you go through something traumatic or even if you lose somebody young that they are almost meant to go through that in order to help others achieve their soul contracts and fulfill their soul contracts. And it's really interesting the way she explains it. And so I highly recommend that book for anybody wanting to check it out. But I I believe in that. And it helps me kind of rationalize things that there's no reasoning to, you know, like losing someone you can never really rationalize. But it helps me at least have peace with saying, okay, like, they've fulfilled their soul contract. They have came here and learned the lessons they needed to and had the experiences they needed to and helped others go through that too. And for me, that's really helped shift my perspective on dying and grief and losing people as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad you brought that up. Most definitely. I remember thinking that about Mike. I was like, wow, we had such, you know, 15 years of amazing experiences when he was on earth. And you miss that so much. You just want that proximity, that closeness. But I have seen, I'm like, wow, I think he can do more work on the other side without whatever limitations there were within him, which I'll never know all of them. You know, I don't, you don't ever know any, everything about a person or what they think and feel, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, he's really doing a great job from the other side. And I kind of love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And really gave me chills of saying that he's able to do more work from the other side. And that just resonates with me so much because I feel that same way about Dee. And, 
you know, he had such a huge personality and light and just was such an incredible human. But now that he's back to his soul form, I feel like he's able to be with even more people and help even more people. And that was kind of one of his biggest limitations while he was here on earth was that he just was always spread so thin. He couldn't, you know, help all the people he wanted to. And now that he is in the spirit form, he is able to connect with a lot more people. And so I think being able to kind of identify those moments help bring some form of peace as well. I agree. I picture Ziggy sitting up there with little round glasses on. We always said he was going to be like an old man librarian or something. I just picture him up there like, ma, I got her. Look at this. I can just see it. It's so cute. You know, we got to find the good. Probably like, yeah, he's probably like proud of himself. He's like, I am so proud of Jen and like everything that she's learned and like experienced through me is like, what she was meant to go through and experience so she can help others. And that's what he told the pet communicator exactly verbatim, Lauren. Okay. Explain to me what a pet communicator is. I want to know about this. And for anyone listening, did you have like, was it a medium session or like, it's a medium session with this woman, Stacy, who is phenomenal. And I've known tons of people to go to her now in my, in my network. And they're like, Oh my God. I'm like, I know. But she basically communicates from the animal to you. And so I started working with her early in the cancer journey with Zig because, you know, if you have a loved one that's that their health is disintegrating, you'll do anything. I mean, I did anything. I, I could go on a list of like 50 things that we tried to, you know, different healing modalities for him. And those were right at the time and whatever. One of the times I reached out to Stacy. And she can basically tell you kind of how the animal's feeling, what they're going through, what they need from you. You can ask them for guidance and it has been spot on. Some of it I found out lady was going to have a health issue before she did. And it was exact same place. And that had never been present before. I'm like, what was that? Wow. Yeah. This last time when Ziggy came back, I did an afterlife session and the first thing he did was like zooming around with his toys, which he would always do so, so mm. cute. And he was yelling, I have a cute butt. I have a cute butt. And the the reason that's important is his cancer was in his bottom. Now, mm. she didn't know that. Yeah. So she was like picking up on all these signs that he was kind of like telling you through her. Yes. So they're almost like little winks, but it also is great guidance. Mm-hmm. And and it has brought me so much comfort. I think her website's All Spirit Animal Healing. I think that's what it is, or All Spirit Healing. I'll have to tell you. But Amazing. Um, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes too for yeah. anybody interested in wanting to check Stacy out. That was helpful to me. And like I said, different tools for different times. It's like mm-hmm. you're yearning for some kind of connection. You'll take anything and you're like, please. And when I reached out to her, I've worked with her like three or four times now. And it's always brought me comfort always. That's amazing. And I think being able to, like you said, like different tools for different times of being able to lean into what's really going to help you. And I think sometimes just having reassurance, you know, through a medium can really help give you that kind of clarity and guidance that your loved one is still with you in a way and that they're okay and they can give you messages. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, um, the medium is like a neutral party, right? And so right. we can't connect because our emotions are still, you know, in the way. And I just, I found it very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think sometimes we block our own, I won't say block our own blessings, but block our own connection to spirit and that it is, we make it harder on ourselves than it needs to be because, you know, obviously we're very emotional beings and um, sometimes emotion kind of overrides our, our clarity. And so being able to have somebody that can come in as a a third party medium and be able to help you connect, I think is beautiful. So we'll definitely link, um, all of her information in the show notes too, if anybody's interested in that. Um, and one other thing that this kind of sparked an idea on and reminded me of that you've been sharing a lot lately that you've done in honor and memory of Ziggy is uh, your ring. Do you want to talk a little bit on your ring? Cause I think that's so unique and so beautiful and such a cool way 
um, to be able to carry your loved ones forward with you. Oh my God. I'm so happy you asked. Thanks for asking. I came across this beautiful mom on Instagram. Her Instagram still remains joy. Still remains. We'll link it to in the show notes. Uh (laughs) And she, um, I don't know how it got popped up. You know, Instagram starts their algorithm when you're looking for stuff. And she makes these rings where you can put ashes of loved ones. You can do multiple stones if there's multiple people um, that you kind of want to keep closer. You can do necklaces. She has a, a couple of different items and she hand makes them. And then she has this whole process where she sends you a kit. You put the ashes in and send them back. And then it, then you wait like three to five months, which I think is amazing. Because when was the last time you invested in something like that for yourself? And then you had to wait. Yeah. <laughs> like never. Yeah. I know it's, it's not that instant gratification we're so yeah. used to now. So when it does finally come... You're just like, it always comes right on time is what she said. And she was, she was spot on for that with me. And it's just this really special offering. Like two weeks later after I got it, I just recently got it. And then two weeks later, I was going on a little weekend trip, you know, on a train, not far away. And I looked at my bedside and there was my ash ring. And I'm like, oh my God, he gets to come with us. Cause I'm not going to mm. bring the ashes in the urn with me. Right. And it right. just felt so wonderful to be able to have that experience even for a second to be like oh my god you're coming with us again it was so amazing I couldn't recommend that enough that was just such a special thing yeah and her pieces are beautiful too like they look like gorgeous cute everyday rings and I like looked into her a bit more after I saw you posting about her she also does like breast milk and like all sorts of different random things that you're like wait what which is so cool and unique. And I think that, and that she makes it into such beautiful jewelry that you'd want to wear every single day, I think is so special because like you said, you can bring your loved ones forward with you and have that kind of little physical reminder right there on your you know, neck or finger that they're there with you and that you are carrying their light forward with you as well. And so I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was really unique and cool and might help anybody out there too. I'm so glad you did. It just made me think of this quote that I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago. And it's when your loved ones pass on, they're not gone. They're just in another room. Yes. I and love thinking that. It, thinking about it that way sometimes is really helpful. You know, if you speak to them, speak to them, pray to them, however it is that you communicate with them, they can still hear you. I fully believe that. I do too. It's so, yeah, that's beautiful. I had never heard that before, but I started telling Dee's family that when he first passed that I was like it feels like he's just still here with us but he's just not in the room right now but he's here and so make them in our memories you know yeah yeah and I think that having the confidence that like you are now their vessel and that you are carrying their light and their spirit with you as well and so I think that you know, that's the whole beauty of this life on earth is that we connect and hopefully impact and help as many people as possible to where when we pass on that they're carrying our light forward too. And that we're all just kind of these torch carriers. And we just, the second we ignite another person's flame that you're kind of forever in that fire with them, you're ever carrying that light forward with them. And so that's been kind of a a way that I've been thinking of it. It's helped me. I love that analogy. It's such a beautiful picture. Yeah, it kind of helps you kind of really visualize it of, you know, if you have this torch and you're able to spark one other person and then they're able to spark one other person, it's like igniting this whole flame. But knowing that your flame was the the spark that, that was the catalyst that brought it forward and your flame is in everyone else's flame and it's all interconnected in a way that it's not just this yours or mine or one thing, it's fire, right? It's, it's all encompassing. And so I think that's kind of how our souls work is that we're kind of this like all encompassing love and light. And the second we have impact and positive effect on people and, you know, that can be anything from just smiling at a person on the street to like being someone's best friend. You know, it can have a really wide range, but I think you can, there's a lot of ways to spark others light. And right now in the world, there's so much darkness and so many bad things always happening. And really darkness is just a lack of light. 
And so the more that we can go through this world and step through it powerfully with shining our own light and trying to ignite those other torches, I think the the brighter the world gets. It's kind of cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, sister. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. And I'm so grateful for you coming on and just being so vulnerable and sharing your experiences and your stories and all your tools too. I hope that this will help a lot of people. And I think we've touched on a lot today, but one final question I want to kind of leave it with that I always like to ask people is how are you really turning that pain that you've experienced and gone through into peace and purpose? And what would you be doing differently now moving forward? Mm. I mean, I think now I'm so much more present than I ever was. So I'm really experiencing in, in being with and co-creating moments with other people. And that's just something I'm so much more aware of now than ever is how does this not only feel for me, but how does it feel for them? And yeah. you, know, you don't leak energy as much. You're just a little bit more um, like conservative with your energy and how you utilize it. And I think that that's been a really helpful thing for me to keep in mind. Life is short and every experience could be your last and mm-hmm. not to let that, you know, make you hijack your emotions and kind of like try to do every single thing on the planet, but just to try to like really be mindful throughout every day of, Am I getting better? Am I becoming better? Am I helping someone else to become better? And that's just what I think about like every day. Yeah, I love that. Those daily check-ins, right? Check in with yourself, see how you're doing, see how you're feeling and have that kind of awareness as you step through it. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. It was really so special. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And I hope that this will help a ton of people. We will be putting all of the resources and things that we mentioned today in the show notes. So if you are interested, reach out. If you have any questions, reach out to me or Jen. But overall, just thank you so much, Jen, for coming on and sharing. Thank you for having me, girly. All righty. I will talk to you soon. See everyone next week. Bye. Bye. That's another episode of Grieving Back to Life podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow for more, and tune in every Sunday for new episodes. Follow us on Instagram, Grieving Back to Life, or check out our website, grievingbacktolifepodcast.com, for resources and more tips and tools for helping you grieve with grace and turn your pain into peace and purpose. See you then.